Welcome to the Who Made Child Priest podcast, where we have conversations about everyday life experiences through the eyes of two people who just happen to be priests. We will share some of our personal experiences along our spiritual journey, and on occasion, discuss the issues of our time. Five, four, eight. Oh, Shayun. What's going on, man? Man, this is the second to the last episode of this season. Man, seems like it's been a long time coming, too, man. Yeah, man, it's, it's been flying by, man. They say uh, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you just you just sent me some uh some information about some people responding to the uh to the podcast and how they are liking the podcast, man. What you got? Oh yeah, you know, um, I've been reaching out to people who I know who have you know uh listened to the podcast, like the information that uh that we're giving to the people and, and ask them to share. So um so what I sent you was. A friend of mine just responding um, on their their story and sharing it. So it's a uh, it's good to have people enjoying the content, man. Yeah, so I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, been getting some of the same things. I had a uh, a homeboy at work listen to it for the first time yesterday, and uh, the first thing he told me was, uh, "Hey, man, what was that stuff your homeboy was sniffing?" <laughs> I, was like, man, I was like, man, that's that rap pay, man. I got some, man. I'm waiting on my, I'm waiting on my pipe right now. Oh, you, that's what you calling it now? Because every what? time I call it pipe, you be trying to correct me. Oh yeah, but you know the way the way you did it, it would, it just seemed real sus. That's all, you know. So I had to. <laughs> I ain't want. I just didn't want you calling it a pipe. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah, man. So, what about so so? What's up with today's episode, man? What we what we got today? What we talking about today? Today is story time, man. Y'all y'all ready to hear some stories? Some stories, man. Some stories, man. Uh, today we will be sharing with y'all some some personal stories from our journey, and it has to do with a time, man. We were going through something, or or we received a lesson the hard way. You know, so while we were going through it, it seemed like a kind of a, a hectic thing or, or a hectic experience. But coming out on the other side, we was able to receive the message from it, man. And, and the message was beautiful. So you, we were grateful for the experience. Um, so, Oshayo, why don't you get us started, man? Tell us about uh, a time where you had a, a difficult time or or experience that in the moment you judged as being bad for lack of a better word, but coming on the other end, you received a beautiful message. You know, man, uh, the story that I'm going to tell is uh, some, pe- some people may already know it, but it took me uh, years and years and years after the experience to truly understand the, uh, the lesson that I had learned and the path that that experience had uh, set me upon. Um, So those that have been listening and those that know me personally know that between the ages of 18 and say 30, uh, I served 10 years in prison. 
Uh, it wasn't all at one time, though. Uh, I did six years the first time and four years the next, but that was only 18 months in between those two bids. And although this was probably not the most traumatic experience I've had, uh, it was definitely the most life-changing one. Uh, in prison, I think people can can get it from some of the uh, movies and shows that they watch, but uh, the dehumanization and the de-individualization that takes place in prison is not subtle uh, at all, and it has long-lasting effects. Uh, so institutionalization is a real thing, and people suffer from it regularly. And uh, I think I was one of the lucky ones. I hope I was one of the lucky ones. Um, when I was committing the crimes that I was eventually charged with, uh, honestly, at the time, those things were fun to me. Uh, I would get a rush of adrenaline that at some point became addictive and greed was my downfall. Um, I remember HPD picking me up and not feeling fear at all, only numbness. I mean, I really didn't, I really didn't care at the time. Uh, I had been a monster for a while and monsters don't, don't have fear. They breed it in others. Uh, at least that's what I thought. Uh, these police officers that uh, picked me up about three cars from what I could remember uh, were not taking me directly to city jail like they were supposed to, but were pulling in this dark wooded area that I can't seem to remember. I can't remember where uh, we turned or I, I just don't remember where we were. I just know that we were in a dark wooded area. Uh, and this is when I started to feel fear for the first time in a long time. Uh, I thought for some reason that they were just going to kill me. I don't know why I had that thought, but that's what I was thinking. Uh, they talked about uh, finally getting me off the streets uh, with laughs and handshakes and then finally took me to the city jail. Uh, then came the part that... Uh, <laughs> That oh, so they was just trying to scare you a little bit then. That's that's what it seemed like, man. You know, they pulled off and got out their cars and started talking and looking back at me, laughing, shaking hands, and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, it was a little old scare tactic or whatever. It worked, though, for – it worked at the beginning, though. It, it worked for real, <laughs> <real>. I bet. <laughs> yeah, so uh, then once they finally took me to the city jail, then comes the part that you see in – the first 48 where they sit you in the room and the detectives come in there and talk to you and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they questioned me about a co-defendant that they knew I had, but they didn't know his name. Uh, he was with me probably twice. And they even questioned me about my baby mama, my oldest son, mama, uh, who they had video and photos of. And she was with me probably once or twice also. Uh, but I was the only one that went to jail. So, Nobody, nobody else's names were, were mentioned. Uh, I was indicted about 90 days later and stayed in jail for approximately 10 months before going to, uh, to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Uh, we call it TDC. It used to be called the Texas Department of Corrections, and then they changed the name of it to TDCJ. And it's now called the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Uh, 
during those 10 months in jail, I continued to do stupid things. Uh, that were only animals in jail. At least that's how we were treated and that's how we behave. Uh, much later, as mentioned in one of our previous episodes, uh, I read the book, The Lucifer Effect, and found that it was the situation of the environment of jail or prison that caused both the inmates and the officers to act the way they did, uh, the way I did. As I said, that knowledge came much later. Uh, at the time, I was just in the fray with everybody else. Uh, I can recall a time in the county uh, being on the phone with my mother and a fight broke out. And this fight got really close to where I was uh, talking on the phone. And, uh, you know, I just simply put my hand out uh, like a stiff arm kind of fashion so that they wouldn't bump into me while I was on the phone. And I remember my mama saying, uh, boy, they sound real close. I said, they right here, mama. Uh, I was good and she was terrified because, you know, I was still her baby. Uh, right. So eventually, man, I copped out to a 10-year sentence. Uh, I awaited transportation and was sent up the road, as they say. Uh, my mama, she stood next to me when I stood before the judge and uh, agreed to the 10-year sentence that I had copped out to. And uh, the judge wanted my mother to admit that her son was a monster. That's what that's what he told her. He said, I want you to admit that your son is a monster and she wouldn't do it. And my exact words to her uh, were, Mama, just say it so I can get from in front of this white boy. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, let me, you know, let me get my 10 years and go on by my business. And uh, she still wouldn't say it, man. I was I was her baby, even though she knew I was guilty. She knew I was guilty. She still didn't see me as a monster. You know, she saw me as a baby. Right. Uh, so now imagine this. It's December. And all you have on is a thin white jumpsuit. No socks, no underwear, no undershirt. Uh, you put on a bus with no heat, handcuffed to someone else, and take the three-hour ride to the Gaza West Union in Beeville, Texas. Uh, man, it was freezing. I'm talking about we are freezing on this bus uh, going to Beeville early, early, early in the morning, man. You know, we leaving the county jail at probably four in the morning. I mean, man. It's, cold. it's cold, 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 man. I'm talking about freezing cold, deathly cold. Now, uh, tell the people how old you are at this point. At this point, um. 19. I'm 19 years old. I'm 19 years old. And what? I'm on this bus and I'm handcuffed to somebody else. And we take this ride, man. And when you go to the restroom on the bus, you have to take this guy you handcuffed to with you. And I think that this is where the attempted psychological breakdown uh, begins. That's different. You know, you're taking another man with you every time you go to the restroom on the bus, you got another man with you. Uh, when we pulled up to the unit and I saw all that barbed wire, this is when I finally had the thought that I had messed up. Uh, I was 19 years old with a 10-year sentence, 
standing butt naked in the freezing cold waiting to be fully searched. So, yeah, I felt like I had messed up at that point. Uh, freezing. I got my hair cut. Uh, I took a cold shower, got vaccinated for whatever they deemed necessary. And seven days later, I was in general population. Now, uh, I'm not going to tell uh, all the uh, prison stories about riots and uh, gang activities and homosexuality, all that type of stuff. Y'all probably know uh, people that have been down before and heard all of the stories. Uh, but this is where I really grew up. I grew up in a prison cell. Uh, it helped to mold me into the person that you know today. Uh, I still have my demons, uh, but I'm not trying to exercise them, though. Uh, I made friends with my demons and made a pact that they would never surface unless I truly needed them. So I'm not trying to get rid of my my demons, but uh, nevertheless, inside a prison cell is where I form my love for reading and studying and acquiring knowledge just for the sake of knowledge. Uh, as I said in a previous episode, it started with the Bible and associated religious texts, then philosophy. Uh, I got into the hard sciences uh, and whatever else I could get my hands on. Uh, I was fortunate enough that uh, old heads took me under their wings early. Uh, guys that had been in and out of prison all their lives had started me on the journey of reading and looking up words in the dictionary. Uh, I remember this one guy specifically. Uh, I might have mentioned him in uh, one of our episodes. We called him Detroit. He was from Detroit, an ex-crackhead who was super smart. I mean, super, super smart. And he was the first person that I saw that had books next to his next to his locker, next to his bunk. And uh, I thought he was a Muslim. That's how I first started talking to him. I asked him, was he a Muslim? Uh, he told me no, and uh, he started loaning me books and uh, telling me to find words in the dictionary, and uh, he started this thing with me, like, uh, I want you to look up a new word in the dictionary every day, and then I want you to find a way and a time to use it uh, every day. So that's what I did. Uh, I think the first actual book that I read for the sake of knowledge was the almanac uh he let me read his almanac and i read uh the history section some farming statistics uh looked at the maps and stuff like that so my first real book that i uh looked into and read for the sake of knowledge was the almanac uh i didn't know it then but this was the beginning of the journey that would eventually lead me to five uh, the brothers and sisters I have acquired and the priesthood composed of the superheroes we talked about on how I became a superhero episode. Uh, so I can honestly say that I grew up in a prison say I became a man in prison and without prison there is no me. Um, mm. I feel like I learned patience there even though that's something that I'm still working on. Uh, I think I'm more impatient when it comes to knowledge that I feel like I should already know or things that I feel like I should already have. Uh, I'm impatient when it comes to those things, but to be able to sit somewhere 
and wait my turn. Oh, I mastered that because prison is hurry up and wait. And that's how it is. Um, I learned critical thinking and analysis there. I learned to ask questions there. So our Luo and all our senior uh, owls and uh, ears can thank prison for me asking as many as many questions as I ask. Uh, <laughs> being alone in a cell gives you much time to contemplate your actions and ask critical questions about yourself. I feel like I learned more about me than anything else. I mean, I spent a lot of time in the cell. What I used to do is, is I would come out of the cell on what they call the first out. Uh, the first out when we can stay in the day room, I would come out of my cell and I would stay out the cell until about, and I think that that's part of what I have with me now, my uh, one to lay down and go to sleep early or be in my bedroom early. I believe, I really believe that that comes from prison. I used to go in at about six, six thirty, and start listening to, uh, I can't remember the station, but that was a woman on a station uh, in Houston is Sunny 99.1. I used to listen to a woman named Delilah. Uh, she played all of the uh, alternative love songs. In uh, prison was also where I uh, formed a liking for different types of music. Uh, I started listening to like uh, smooth jazz, uh, soft rock, uh, all different alternative uh, music, uh, you know, Nickelback, Three Doors Down. There's some of y'all out there know about that. Uh, but uh, I don't re at all regret having this experience. And the lessons I learned were uh, beautiful and life-changing. So for me, like I say, without prison, there is no me. Uh, I regret uh, the things that I did to people or how people were affected by the things that I did, but the experience that I had with, with jail and prison, the people that I met, the things that I learned, the path that prison put me on, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change it at all. I wouldn't change it at all, man. Man, that's deep. You know, I remember when you first told me uh, you had been to prison, and I was like, man, ain't no way you've been to prison. <laughs> um, man, his spirit, man, like, in a lot of ways, Sam has a, or Oshayun, I should say, has a gentle spirit, so... When I first met, I was like, when you first told me, I was like, man, come on. Ain't no way. Um, and as far as studying, man, I, I got a master's degree in business. Man, your study technique, the, the, how you study it, is killing mine with all my formal education. Um you are one of the reasons why I tell people that, I mean, college is cool. You know, again, I have a master's degree in business. I'm not anti-college. 
but it's not a measurement of intelligence mm. by any means whatsoever. Because I, I tell O'Shea all the time, he is easily one of the smartest human beings that I know. So, man, that's um, it's a beautiful story, man. That's a beautiful story. And um, as Baba would always say, that's the contract you signed. Right. Right. And I didn't know it at the time. Uh, and I would not have believed that if you had told me that at the time. Uh, like I say, I kind of considered myself Christian uh, in the beginning. Uh, I won't, not in practice. It's sort of like your experience with Christianity, not really in practice, but the Bible was what I knew. So that's what I leaned upon uh, at that time. In the beginning, I leaned upon the Bible and uh, started reading the Bible and studying the Bible. And yeah, man, it was some old heads down there, man, that put me on studying and reading and looking up words in the dictionary, uh, not uh, finishing a sentence that I'm reading without looking up a word that I don't know. Uh, if you think you know what the word means, then you don't know what it means. Then you need to look it up and figure out what it means. Uh, when I met you, uh, you got me deeper into uh, etymology. Uh, etymology <laughs> was, was, was something that uh, became big with me after uh, I met you, after coming into contact with uh, with Baba uh, and the other Iwos and talking about uh, linguistics and etymology. So that, that became something big to me uh, also. So yeah, man, anytime I can get my hands on a book, anytime I can learn something new, man, I'm with it. Yeah, I feel you on that. Yeah, that etymology is important when you're talking about ancient texts. Right. Because we'll we'll look at things through our lenses of today. And that wasn't what was accepted as what that word meant back then. So you really got to understand the etymology if you want to understand what you're reading. And then also you got to understand the fact that um, when you have translations and Mm, that's not yeah. always capture what the people were saying in their native tongue. So it's a lot of that that comes into it. That's what I used to tell uh, people once I found myself kind of coming out of Christianity and moving more toward the uh, mystical or esoteric path, whatever you want to call it, um, that you have to understand these texts through the lens of the people that it was written by and the people that it was written for. That's how you have to try to understand the text and not filter it through uh, the way we think today. So you kind of have to throw away everything that you thought you knew and read it from the perspective of those people that were reading it for the first time and the people that wrote it. What did they mean uh, when they said these words? So yeah, like you say, etymology is uh, very, very important. And culture, knowing the culture that these texts were written in uh, is important also. So, Absolutely. So you, 5-4-8.
tell us a, a, a story that at the time you judged it as I'm sure you felt it was horrible at the time and later you understood the true lesson into why you had went through that situation. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to compete with that, um, <laughs> with your story. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go in a little bit of a different direction. And I was thinking about what story I was going to tell. Um, and I hope, and I think this story hopefully is relatable to a lot of people. Um, I've said here a couple of times that I, I'm a big traveler. You know, I'm a Sagittarius moon, so I like to be on the move. But I had started being really, really, really um, big on traveling internationally. I, I told myself I'm no longer traveling domestically. I'm just international travel unless, you know, I, I have to go somewhere domestically. Mm. Um, but then COVID came here and said, nah, we changing that up. So COVID hit and I'm like, man, I still, still want to travel. So I guess I got to travel domestically. So I started looking at kind of places off the, you know, off the beaten path um, domestically that I can go to. So on this time, I came across Salt Lake City, Utah. So I'm going to Utah and check that out. So like I do every time, I divine on my trip, on the energy of my trip. Um, if I say I was going to have a good trip, I can't remember the details of what was going to happen that trip or or the message for that trip. But I remember the trip was going to be a good one. And like any other time I travel, I take all my divining tools with me so I can cast for the energy of my day so I can know how my day is going to go. Mm-hmm. So I get up one morning, I go to Utah, and I think this is, the um, the first morning that I'm there or the second day. So I cast for the energy of my day. Now, during this period, I am, and I talk a, you know, a lot about uh, astrology. So I am a Scorpio rising. So I'm very passionate about stuff that I'm passionate about, right? Mm-hmm. And it, man, I guess even things that I might not be super passionate about, I may express it passionately because Scorpio rising. And I was very passionate about knowledge, consciousness, learning, religion, history, those types of things. So I I catch myself after being in the period where, you know, I, I let people kind of do their own thing, whatever you wanted to do, that was cool with me. You know, this was during my, if you like it, I love it phase, which was the overwhelming majority of my life up until the moment I came into consciousness. And then consciousness kind of flipped the switch and made me be like, oh, no, I want all the people to know what I know because it's, <laughs> right. it has such a profound effect on my life. Like, I'm sure other people can use this, right. you know? And again, like I said, I'm passionate. So when I'm presenting things, I'm going to present it in a passionate way. So um, I'm also a, a Virgo son, so I can be critical at times. So 
depending on how the conversation goes, sometimes it, it could go from passionate to passionate and critical kind of a mismatch. If the person who I'm talking to, I feel like really needed the information, they really weren't receiving it, right? So just to give you a little backdrop. So on this particular day, I cast for the energy of my day. And it talked about me um, presenting things to people, of, of me having to learn a lesson that it was just my job to share, but it wasn't my job to convince anybody right. to do anything. You know, just plant that seed, present that information. If they want more information, they'll ask. If they want more dialogue and they, you know, they continue to dialogue, then that's good. But it's not my job to convince anybody or try to force anybody or, or bash them over the head with, you know, information. No matter how valuable that it may be to that person, it's right. up to them to really say, yeah, I, I really want this. Tell me more. Right. right. And that kind of was a thing that I was getting in, in readings every now and again, you know, over the last, you know, several months, right? So I'm like, oh, okay, I see this message is coming again. So I go, um, going around uh, Salt Lake City, you know, going around visiting the sites. And then I eventually get to downtown Utah or downtown Salt Lake City, excuse me. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with, but you know those electric scooters, <laughs> like right. the line wire. I think it's Bird is another one they have, and you know they may have other since then. So right. I had recently come across these scooters, right? And like I was in Austin, you know, some time before then, when I first rode the first one and I'm on there I'm reckless no helmet no elbow pads knee pads and I'm doing it I'm flooring and I'm floating all through Austin and then um I take a, a trip to to Nashville and then I rent some in Nashville and I'm all over the place flooring it um <laughs> I mean again no helmet no pads I'm moving I'm reckless right and, man, I loved them. I was like, man, this is fun. So when I'm walking around downtown Salt Lake and I see these things, I said, oh, I got to get it, right? Got to get them. So I, I go up to a couple of them and then, you know, running out of battery juice and all that. So I got the little map on the app to try to find find one. And um, I find one, I get on it. I really don't like it too much. And then I keep walking around. I find me another one. So I get on this scooter and I don't know, something not, not quite right with it. Like the, the ride is a little rough, right? But I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ride it anyway. Hey, right. so how do you pay for these scooters? Like, like, how does that work? Are they just laying around or you just get on So when you get the app, right, you got to like create a username and password and all of that. And then, um, you have to um, put in your credit card information and all that. So then when you open the app, you scan 
like this bar on the scooter. And then that'll trigger, and then that's when and it's connected to your car. So you'll be on it up until you tell it to stop. Or at you know, you get off of it and then you go into the app and tell it to stop, but it'll charge your credit card. Kind of like same thing with Uber, you know, it's tied to a credit card and all that. Hmm. So um So what makes it so if you don't do all of that, uh you can't just hop on it and then just take off on it? No, nah, no. Nah. No, nah, you can't just hop off it. You gotta you gotta start it using the app that hmm. You already logged in and everything. Oh, that's cold right there. Right. Um, oh, one other key key piece of information I forgot in the reading. The reading or, or, or the, the, the divination of cash for the energy of my day, it talked about that I had to start really focusing on myself and working on the things that I needed to work on as opposed to spending so much energy on everybody else, right? Kind of the whole thing, sweep your own front porch before you go and sweep somebody else's, that mm-hmm. type of thing. So that's that that was that's that's a key part. And I can't believe I forgot that for the for the 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 end of the story. So I get on this scooter, right? Again, it's a little rough, but I'm getting it, right? I mean I'm flooring it. Like I'm downtown Salt Lake flying through the streets you know and cities like that you know they got the little the little lanes for like bikes and scooters and stuff so i'm in the you know i'm in the bike lane i'm i'm all over the the downtown right getting it flooring it so flying around seeing the sights i'm on my way back to my car so i'm like i'm gonna take the scooter and drive the scooter up to my car and then you know cash out, stop it, whatever, and be done with the ride. So I'm flooring it. I'm gone. And I am a very short distance from the car. So I'm going and I'm flooring it. At the time, it's a it's a lady, um, you know, probably 60, and she's coming across the street. So I, I slow down a little bit and I say, no, you good. You don't have to run on my account. I'm cool. You know, she has bags and everything. I think it's a grocery store. Like, I think she was coming from the grocery store because it was a grocery store on the other side of the street. Mm. So I'm telling her, hey, now you good. You ain't got to run. It's all good. So she's doing this thing, you know, kind of playing chicken, like where she's running, stopping, running because she doesn't know. If I'm going to keep going from a letter over. So I take my hand, one of my hands off of the handle and wave her on like, no, you can go ahead and go. Next thing I know, boom. (laughs) I don't know what I hit. I don't know if it was a pothole. I don't know if it was a bump in the road. I don't know. All I know is, is I'm airborne. <laughs> I fly over the top of the of the handlebars, and I'm in the air. Wow! Like I'm flying, right? Boom! I hit the ground, right? But I put my my hands out 
to brace my fall. Fall on my hands, hit my shoulder, and I'm laying on my back. And then car stop, they pull over. Dude, get out, man, you all right? And then I'm look like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, man, I stood up like, oh man, I might not be good. <laughs> I got up, I was toe up. My my shoulder was toe up. I had a, a gash in my uh, in my left shoulder. The uh, the scar is still there. Um, I had braced my hand. I mean, braced my fall with my hands. And I just knew my right wrist was broken. So I'm trying to open and close and feel it on it and see, man, do I, like, it's, I've never broken a bone before in my life. So I'm like, I mean, it's hurting. I don't know if it's broken. I'm like, but I'm opening and closing my hands. And, um, you know, that's not too bad. So maybe I did. But both palms of my hands are like, severely bruised like i said and my wrist is gone like i can't put any weight on my wrist but i managed to get up then i got a hole in my shirt on my shoulder from when my shoulder hit the ground so <laughs> I can real see, rough. right so i can see through my the hole in my shirt that my shoulder was messed up and um as i'm laying on the ground before i get up so again when i'm the ladies come across the street and I wave on and I said, come on, you're okay. That's what I said. And then I boom and I fell. <laughs> now here is, I have a, a great sense of humor or a terrible sense of humor, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> so as I'm laying on the back, the lady runs up on me and she looks over at me and she said, but now you're not okay. <laughs> oh, I said, man. Yeah. There is my reading from this morning. Right. Worried about other people to the point where I don't worry about myself. Did you figure that out in the moment, though, while you were still on the ground? I figured that out once I got up. Because, see, so it's a part of it, like, when you fall, right? To maintain your cool, you got to pop right up. <laughs> that's like a boxer getting dropped, huh? Yeah, that's like rule like 13 in the fall down handbook. You know what I'm saying? That's like in the cool book. Like, so you maintain your cool, you gotta hop right up. Right. Right? Because if you just lay down there, that ain't cool. You gotta bounce up, uh, dust you off and be gone. So I got up like super fast, dusted myself up, got right back on the thing on the scooter and floored it the rest of the way to the car. <laughs> As I'm sitting in the car and I'm like, yo, man, I'm toe up. I don't know how I'm gonna drive this car. Cause my wrist, both of my wrists is hurting. I'm gonna turn the steering wheel. <laughs> so I sit back, you know, in the seat for a minute, like, man, let me chill for a minute. And then that's when I remember my reading. And I started laughing to myself and I said, that's E5. Right. So I think I got the message after that. I was like, all right, I'm going I'm to give people 
the information and then I'm going to let them decide on where it goes from there. I'm not going to force anything on anybody or I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back and forth and all that, you know. Now, if you're engaged, yeah, I'll go back and forth. We can, we can talk all day, you know. Right. But if it's like, you know, I'm not going to debate you in, in all of that. Um, so, yeah, so that's my story, man. Um, and I got my scar on my left shoulder. <laughs> uh, so every time I I'm in the mirror, I get a I get a reminder, right? You that that and that message. Yeah, you got a receipt from that day. Got a receipt for sure. You know, Baba um, would always tell us. Uh, I'm not quoting him, uh, but he would tell us something to the effect of uh, your experiences are what they are. They are neither good nor bad. We only judge them as such. And sometimes when we are in the midst of an experience that we deem bad or negative, it's difficult for us to understand why we are going through what we're going through at the time. And I can still honestly say that right now, I still don't want to have any negative experiences or any experiences that I would deem as negative, even knowing that when I come uh, through on the other side of it, I'll be stronger for it. Uh, I'll uh, have built uh, character and fortitude and things like that. I still don't want to go through those situations, but in the midst of those situations uh, we think woe is me and it has only been since I've come uh, to Ifa that I understand that there are some experiences that we must have uh, due to karma there are certain experiences that we must have due to us asking for those experiences while still in a spiritual state knowing that 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 those experiences will evolve us uh and i know people don't want to hear that in the midst of what they consider to be a terrible situation uh but those are the facts that we ask for certain experiences and some of them are difficult to go through but we've asked for those experiences one way or another so at some point in my spiritual journey before incarnating here either I asked for I specifically asked for that prison uh, experience or uh, my karma from a past life uh, forced me uh, I say forced for lack of a better word right now but forced me to uh have that experience but either way as Baba always say all roads lead back to you or to me right you know when uh, (laughs) Baba always says that you need that friction Mm. you need that friction because in that friction comes the lessons right you know uh, Baba always quotes Odu that talks about in, in one instance, you have the experience. And then you have to have the opposite so you can understand the experience. Mm. But it is us 
who judge that experience as good or bad. Right. When what we should really be doing is trying to understand why did you have to have the experience? Right. Right. What is this? What is this trying to teach me? What am I to learn from this experience? And I think that's that's a difficult question to ask in the midst of the experience, though. Why am I having this experience? What am I supposed to learn from this? Uh, especially when uh, it's another person giving you the experience. Uh, say uh, your wife or your husband cheats on you and they are the ones giving you the experience that you are judging as negative. And it's difficult to ask the question, uh, what role is this person supposed to play in my life and what they what are they supposed to teach me? What am I supposed to learn from this experience? That's a difficult thing to do. Oh, absolutely. It's a difficult thing to do, but we have to have the courage to do it. Or you'll put yourself in a predicament where you keep repeating those same lessons. Mm -hmm. You know, and even when you think you got the lesson and you think you mastered it, spirit will make sure that lesson comes back around at some time. <laughs> right. Just to, to confirm. Make sure. Just to make sure, huh? Yeah. You know, and, and the thing about it is it won't look exactly the same. Cause then you might see it coming. Right. Right. So so the lesson might not be the same person. It may not be the same supervisor at the same job, but it'll be the same lesson, just in a different package, just to make sure that you have truly mastered that. Because the lesson you keep learning, I mean, you the, the lesson that you keep failing is the lesson you're going to have to keep repeating. Right, right. It's like being in school and failing the grade. You got to do it all over again. We got to make sure you get this. I remember reading something that uh, Awo Falakun Fatumbe uh, wrote, and he said something to the effect of every time we reach a new level, every time we gain more strength, uh, more courage, and more fortitude, that the negative spirits that exist in the universe they too must increase their ferocity to meet you on the level that you are going to. For it is only through, like you say, through the friction that we, uh, that we gain strength, that we gain character, that we gain uh, fortitude. So it's like, uh, it, it, it always makes me think about uh, what's called the dark night of the soul. They say that, uh, this is what Jesus experienced when uh, he said on the cross, uh, Father, why have you forsaken me? Uh, he was at his darkest uh, moment at the time. He was in the depths of despair. I'm sure some preacher has said that before. Uh, but yeah, and it's, it's at the darkest part or the darkest time that light is just over the horizon. And I think that that's part of the allegory of 
of Jesus uh, talking about the the human experience and coming to total darkness before uh, overcoming uh, what at that time would have been death, overcoming death. What do you what do you think about the uh, the the allegory of Jesus and how uh, it applies to what we're talking about? I mean, you know, I say Jesus is still my personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> um, and I'd be dead serious when I say that too, like for real. Right. Um, I always compare Jesus to the Ifa concept of Iponri. Mm. I feel like it is the perfect version of ourselves. It's our highest potential coming to earth to demonstrate how it is that we're supposed to live. Right. You know, so that's how I always looked, or I'm going to say always, since I've, for some time now, since I've been in Ifa, um, when I came across the concept of Iponri, I was like, oh, this is like Jesus. Mm. If the Iponri is the, the perfect self that resides in heaven, then Jesus is that story of that Iponri wrapping itself in flesh, coming to earth in order to show us how it needs to be done. And you know how, like you say that now, and me being the person that I am now, having uh, learned some of the things that I've learned, it's that seems like such a simple uh, concept. And it's crazy that when I think back to the time when I was considering myself a Christian and seeing Jesus as uh, God, man, you could not have told me that uh, that Jesus was not God and that it was an, uh, an allegory that had been told for thousands and thousands of years before Jesus may have walked on the earth um but yeah you couldn't have told me that uh when i was considering myself a christian that uh that jesus wasn't uh god in the flesh here to die for our sins but now uh after reading things you know other spiritual texts other ancient texts and coming across uh stories very 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 similar to uh the story of Jesus and not just the story of Jesus, but the story of, uh, of Moses. I remember the first time I came across the Epic of Gilgamesh and I was like, man, this is the, this is the same story. This is the story of Noah. Uh, this, this particular text just comes out of Mesopotamia. It's the, it's the same story. That's when I had started getting into, uh, some people now would call it uh, ancient aliens. Uh, Eric Von Daniken and uh, the the Anunnaki. Uh, yeah, the Anunnaki <laughs> and uh, Zachariah Sitchin. Man, I man, I was so mesmerized when I read uh, the first book of the Earth Chronicles by Zachariah Sitchin, uh, the Twelfth Planet. Man, I was I was mesmerized by that text and the story that the Sumerians told. Uh, basically about the same thing that the Bible talked about, except uh, the 
Jews or whoever, well, we ain't gonna argue about who the Jews are, or who the Hebrews are, but so whoever wrote the Bible uh, seemed to wrap up all of the deities into one and say that there was uh, one God in the Sumerian text. There were two different deities that were talking about either flooding the earth and killing all of the humans and not flooding the earth and not killing all of the humans. That was that was something real uh, deep to me. But learning about uh, the allegory or allegory, period, learning about allegory and learning that the story of Jesus is the story of all of us and what we're supposed to be doing uh, and how it ties to what we were talking about today and uh, Jesus's temptation by the devil, um, the dark night of the soul, Jesus's uh, frustration with God, for lack of a better term. Uh, I think we've all been there at, uh, at some point, and it wasn't until we had exited the experience and not even immediately did we get the lesson. Like I say, I didn't get the lesson of my prison exper uh, experience until, man, probably very recently, probably since I've come to Ifa, did I uh, come to the understanding that that was an experience that I had to have to be here where I am right now. Like I, like I keep saying, without prison, there is no me. Without prison, you would never have met me. So, prison yeah. gave birth. Prison killed uh, Sam and gave birth to O'Shea. There you go, man. There you or, go. Or or if I banger, <laughs> O'Shea There you go, man. There you go. And and it's crazy that the old dude that I received that my Shafa talked about uh, the phoenix and rising from the ashes. Uh, yeah. Man, I felt that in my soul when yeah. they told me that. We had that conversation. I was like, man, one who had to, who who was able to endure life's hardships. Right. I said, yeah, yeah, that, see, I didn't go to prison because uh, my answer is, Answers and knew I wasn't built for that. <laughs> you know, that ain't in my old dude. No, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, wait. Right. I, I couldn't do 35 seconds. <laughs> I would be looking for some bad shit. <laughs> right. Right, man. Right. And uh it's a lot of it's a lot of that uh that go on too, man. A lot of people uh they get there and they just can't take it, man. They can't take it. Uh, and they end up doing something to themselves. Uh, sometimes they get the actual chance to kill themselves, but more often than not, from my experience, what I've seen, uh, you know, they may cut their wrists, try to cut their neck, try to hang themselves, but it doesn't uh, quite work out. And then you're talking about doing some real hard time after that because now they're gonna make sure that you can't do anything to yourself, and that's some that's some real hard time, man. You'd rather be in a population where at least you can kind of, you know, move around and talk to people and 
stuff like that, man. But yeah, yeah, I ain't built for the the cut the neck and cut the wrist thing. Uh, <laughs> I probably ain't really cut out with the hanging either. I probably had to collect me some pills over time and and, and take them and be out the game. Yeah, I, I ain't good with that. And just but, and just go to yeah. sleep. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. I, I ain't really built for none of that other stuff. You know, you, you mentioned something about uh, Jesus being, you know, God wrapped in flesh. I'm actually, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, with, with that um, representation, being that I view humans as God or spirit wrapped in flesh. Right, and, I agree. And the dying of our sins, that part, I just look at that as, you know, a, a sacrifice. You know, like we talked the other day about sacrifices. You know, are you willing? To, are you willing to kill the old version of you for the version of you? Right. You know, like the Bible says, you can't put new wine into old wine skins. Right. You know, so that's how I look at all of that. So, yeah, it make me think about a whole. It make me think about a whole lot of stuff that uh, you know, you can. Uh, when, when we first started becoming familiar with the old dude, and I was trying to figure out uh, a more systematic way to learn them. Uh, I tell people all the time that uh, I'm a good student, but things have to make sense to me. Like I have to move things around in my mind to make them uh, make sense to me. So sometimes it may take me a little longer to figure some things out. But once I got it arranged in my mind, how I needed to be, then I got it. But uh, I remember when we were first uh, learning the old dudes and, uh, I was thinking about uh, a warning and about uh, forgiveness and about uh, letting go of the past so that you can uh, move forward. Mm-hmm. And, Look at the back past so you can know how to move forward even. And I think that that kind of ties into what uh, we're talking about today and the concept of Sankofa and looking back to get the lesson, to understand the lesson, uh, to understand that the experience was something that we had to have, that the experience is ours, the lesson is ours, but the emotions attached to the experience is not ours. And to me, that's, that's true forgiveness. That's letting go of the past and taking the lesson with you because you have to have it to go to the next level. You have to have the lesson of yesteryear to move into the level of next year. So that I was I was contemplating or wondering when uh, listening to what you were just saying. Absolutely, that's and that's exactly where that information comes from. That's, I mean, I mean, we gonna have to at, at some point probably too. Um, or not probably, but I think we will at some point do an episode where we tackle emotions. Man, that's gonna be a deep, uh, a deep 
episode because I'm reading a book now called The Emotion Code. And what I'm learning, uh, Baba, you know, Baba recommended us the book, uh, My Grandmother's Hand. Uh, so I looked in, I looked into that book. I haven't finished it. Uh, I started reading a book called The Body Keeps the Score. It too being about uh, emotion. And now I'm reading a book called The Emotion Code. And what I'm finding is that <clears throat> you know how there are certain terms and certain words that we have heard so much that we assume the definition. And I think the term traumatic experience is one of is one of those terms. Uh, what I'm coming to find out or what I'm coming to understand, and this is just my understanding, this is just my perspective is that trauma doesn't happen to you. Trauma is your response to what happens to you. It seems like, uh, because as Baba has said, your experiences are just that. They are neither good nor bad. And if they are neither good nor bad, then that means that no experience can be traumatic. What's traumatic is the emotions that we attach to the experience and not fully process the emotion so they become trapped in us and that's what this book is talking about it's talking mm. about trapped emotions and how that is what causes what we call trauma this, right this right. is the answer to the question that baba asked uh why are you still responding the same way you responding, uh, you were responding when you were 12 years old. And it's because those emotions are still trapped in your body and you are just responding the way that you know how. So hey, I, hey, ho, ho, you giving away too much though, man. <laughs> you giving away too much. That's oh, a yeah. whole no. other episode, but we yeah, definitely- We gonna go in. Tackle we gonna that. go in on emotion, man. We gonna tackle that. Um, so on this topic, man, uh, Ugly experience, beautiful lesson. Beautiful lesson. You uh got anything else to add to that? Um, I think that I would just uh encourage our listeners. Uh as I said in one of our previous episodes, the demographic that I seek, uh most of the people that are hearing this right now, uh most of them already know many of the things that we're uh that we're talking about. So uh, but I would encourage those that don't know to uh, try to look at our experiences like that, uh, that our experiences are neither good nor bad uh, and that we only judge them as such. And that when we are having difficult experiences, understanding that those are experiences that we must have, that we have to have to evolve uh on a spiritual, mental, psychological level, it's not meant to break you, but it's meant to build you. So let's take the good with the bad, the bitter with the sweet, and keep moving on, man. Man, that's beautiful. And I think we'll end it there. We want to hear about you guys' experience. Anybody got a story to share with us? Y'all can send us an email at WMYP at yahoo.com WMYP at yahoo.com Send us an email. Let us know 
your experiences. Let us know the time where you had an quote unquote ugly experience, but it came with a beautiful lesson. So hit us up. Remember, life's a journey. Don't forget the map. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Who Made Y'all Priest podcast. We would love for our listeners to interact with us. So leave us a voice message on the Anchor app or send us an email at wmyp at yahoo.com. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend.